Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the November 11, 2017 edition. It's Todd Howard's birthday, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been kind of uh, a relatively quiet week once again. It's like this weird thing where we're going through this uh, cycle as we near the holidays, where it gets kind of loud, then quiet, loud, and quiet. Um, we're getting to the point where all the big releases are out. And we're spending our time. We talked about last week during our podcast that we were sort of focusing on our backlog, seeing how much we can accomplish before our Game of the Year discussion, uh, which is going to be happening just a little over a month from now. Uh, but before we get into that, I'll introduce my special guest. We've got Adam Vitali. Hey, it's just me this week. Awesome. Yeah, it's just you and me, two peas in a pod. Uh, we've been here since the beginning, so this is kind of works. Uh, we've been doing the podcast since the beginning. Absolutely. Um, Except without but yeah, uh, it's it's been kind of been kind of quiet. But there's been some good topics to discuss this week. I think uh, uh, because of uh, some recent news uh, that's been going around, along with uh, Nintendo's Direct that they held this past week. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do that, uh, we'll get into the games that we've been playing since our last podcast. Now, of course, Adam, I know you reviewed Demon Gaze 2 for the site. Uh, you mentioned you talked a little, a little bit about it before, um, specifically like the changes that have been made since the uh, original. But it looks like that you were kind of uh, good with it, although it doesn't sound like you were as high on it as you were the first Demon Gaze. Well, it's kind of both. I don't. I actually don't think I said anything about it on a podcast. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, you you just said it was embargoed. I think we made right. a joke about it because James <laughs> yeah. got rid of it. Yeah. Um. So Demon Gaze Two is a it's another one of the dungeon crawler games from Experience. So they obviously released the first Demon Gaze, uh, Stranger of Sword City, Operation Abyss games. Um. Yes. So there's these are these these are your first person dungeon crawlers, kind of like Etrian Odyssey. Um. Now Demon Gaze Two is obviously another one. Let me start by talking about actually the first Demon Gaze. So the first yeah. Demon Gaze came out, uh, I think, 2014, the localized version. So a couple of years ago on Vita. And it was kind of a... I, it, to me, it seemed like a right place, right time type of release. It was like a, a new IP and a niche genre from an unknown developer. Like, nobody knew who Experience was back then. Yeah. Um, and being a Vita exclusive, kind of... This was right after, like, the PS4 release and the Xbox One, so those hadn't really like really hit their stride yet it it was just kind of like this was the type of game that people who had vitas were looking to find like what are some vita games i can get and here's one it's got an anime art style and whatnot um and it seemed to find some pretty good success considering it's from an unknown developer and it is a dungeon crawler it had some really interesting mechanics that you don't really see one of which the main one being that you have your being a dungeon crawler you have your team of created characters like an entry and odyssey game you create your team and then you go but in addition to that you recruit these demon guys that kind of join up with you but you don't have control over them in battle they kind of work on their own and act on their own um and so it was kind of like this interesting setup that you don't see very often where you kind of have the full control over your team like you normally would but then you kind of have this tertiary member kind of doing their own thing and you sometimes had to rely on them sometimes they're frustrating you uh because they're not doing what you want them to do and things like that so it was it was frustrating at times but it was interesting right yeah but i had a, I had a really good time with demon gaze i remember that like it was one of my first real approaches to the de- uh to the dungeon crawler genre um after barely touching etrian odyssey and class of heroes so i i do remember having a good time with that game yeah but 
Demon Gaze 2, I didn't really look into it a whole lot before it was coming out because I kind of assumed it would just be like more of the same. Yeah. But it's, it changes a lot of things. Like I was really surprised at how much it alters from the really? original. So the main thing is, is you, you don't create your characters at all anymore, which is basically different from every other um, dungeon caller from this developer. Yeah, I so, don't know about I'll about that. Yeah, so instead, what ha- what you do is the demons that you recruit, much like in the first game where you recruited demons, this time those demons are your party members. And they, they just like any, just like more typical RPGs, they just join your party and then you can use them. Um, so you don't create your team, you just kind of get these characters you can use. Um, okay, that sounds a lot like Moriwara Chronicle, where you're like, you encounter them in the field and then they join your party. Yeah. So that sounds very familiar. Yeah, so it's just basically going for that route instead of, creating a team and the, each demon at your recruit obviously still has their own little like utility their own purpose like you have a demon who is meant to be like a knight who they, they basically protect your other units from def- they defend them from attacks and you have like units that are like clearly meant to be your designated healers and things like that um and i think in total you get in the main game like 16 of them and you have four different slots you can put them in so you still get a quite a few combinations you can work with um, but you just don't create your team in your own. But not only that, but things like um, the fact that there is no tertiary demon kind of on your team anymore, but also just like the battle difficulty and the dungeon design feels a little bit more streamlined. Demon Gaze, the first one, w- was maybe not a great like entry point into the genre because it was it was fairly difficult. Yes. And it had it was it was it had those unique mechanics that I talked about before that really no other dungeon crawler had, so it doesn't really work as an entry point if it's kind of its own thing. But it's, it feels like Demon Gaze Two they specifically wanted to make this like this could be your first dungeon crawler, and it, they streamlined a lot of things. It's a lot easier. There is a higher difficulty mode you can do you know you can choose from you can choose to to play, um, but the default is a lot easier. The dungeon design is a little bit simpler. Um, you don't have to worry about creating your team and min-maxing in that regard. Um, so it feels like it was meant; to, it lightened up a bit. Now, um, this game also introduced like it's kind of weird. Like it also introduced like a dating element with your with the demons. Oh, um, of most of them are women. So there are some men demons as well, um, and. It, how it works is it basically you, if you use them in battle, or if you put them in a room in the inn, which is kind of like what the first game did, they can like gain favorability towards your main character, who's kind of like a silent protagonist dude, you know, like usual. Of course. Um, and basically, once they gain favorability with you, they their stats go up as well as your main character stats. So you kind of want to make sure your favorability is as high as as many of them as possible because it powers up your main character as well. Um, hmm. First of all, do you have any questions? Like anything no, that I mean, you're wondering from about? Everything you're talking about, it feels like a lot of these dun- dungeon crawler games, as of late, uh, that have been at least localized, are starting to bleed together. Because that sounds like I said, like Mario Chronicle, Mary Skelter, and now this. It's yeah. just like all of a sudden, what made Demon Gaze sort of unique in a way, especially with all like the uh, crazy, like, all the different character designs of the characters you can create. Like that was, I thought that was like one of the coolest things because there was a lot of variety, and now they're doing something like this. I don't know how to feel about that. Well, I actually, what I said in my review, like my concluding line was, so one, a couple, there are a couple of frustrating things about Demon Gaze. One of the things sure. being that your tertiary demon member kind of does their own thing, and sometimes it's a little bit of luck. Like I remember in the original, you have a demon named Mars who is like this really 
strong powerhouse. And I remember just kind of hoping, like, hey, Mars, just attack every single turn. That's all you need to do. But then, Berserk it. <laughs> yeah. And they, but they would just do whatever shit they wanted to do. And Ugh. sometimes it kind of felt like there was a little bit of luck because you had no control over it. And there was also, there's also, especially late in the game, like every single boss had like really high HP regeneration. You remember that? <sighs> That's the worst. So, you, so it was that. kind of like a, it was kind of like a damage for second check where you had to like kind of be reckless at times. Um, just, I, I need to heal, but I need to do damage type of thing. Um, so it was a little bit frustrating at times. I feel like Demon Gaze 2 did a lot of work to remove some of those frustrating elements. But like you said, I, this is what I said in my review, it also feels more bland. It's not as interesting because yeah. it, it just kind of feels more run-of-the-mill. Uh, I still think it's a pretty solid dungeon crawler, um, especially if you do some of the post-game stuff. Um, it can get pretty difficult and pretty rewarding and you know, kind of the, the usual type of satisfaction you get from overcoming some of those tough you know, dungeon crawler bosses. And the, the dungeons get a little bit trickier too. But I do feel like this is meant to be a little bit more entry level, so mm-hmm. that can be disappointing. Maybe if you're hoping for like a really, like a really, like deep and involved dungeon crawler, you don't really get that here unless you go into like the post game or even the the post post game. Uh, oh there's a lot of extra content past the credits. Um, as far as the, like the story stuff, a lot of dungeon crawlers are pretty story light at least like the entry and odyssey stuff it yeah, just gives you a really basic premise that's all you need You're just gonna go you know to explore this game has a lot of dialogue and mm. and character interaction it's not a very like compelling like storyline it's kind of bland and it kind of gets a little bit uh tropey not it, it's more just kind of like a bunch of amusing interactions more than like a story um in that regard and so it's like, okay, it's, it's, it doesn't really drive it. It's just sure. kind of there, but they do talk it's, a lot. Yeah, it's basically like you do. It sounds like you do. It's very much like a quest or mission based type of game. But as it said, like every time, maybe is it like every time you turn something in or something happens? Well, there there is a, a story. It just kind of feels like there's more, just kind of just like wacky, you know, character yeah. interaction and things like that. And there are some times where the where the story try, does try to get like pretty serious and like tries to be like like actually like captivating but it kind of falls flat for like there's some really convenient resolutions like how are they going to solve this oh i guess this solution out of nowhere just popped up okay that's not interesting um and it it does get a little bit melodramatic uh so over the top that's that's what i expected yeah Uh, that was kind of like what maris skelter got yeah i mean you don't really i don't really go to the dungeon crawlers for the story stuff i just wanted to mention that like it is present it is there but it doesn't really like do anything for me anyway ah, so <laughs> that makes sense so yeah it's it's a it's a, it's a decent game i kind of wished like i kind of wish it would have it would have kept some of the more interesting things about the original game while maybe trying to smooth it out a bit like try to like refine that but they kind of stepped away from that i think a little bit too much to try to make it so streamlined so that's it, it still works it's just a little bit disappointing basically yeah, it sounds very middle of the road. And that's kind of what I, uh, I was hoping would not be the case. It feels like, uh, you know, experience, as you mentioned before, they've done other games like Operation Abyss uh, and Stranger Sword City where you think like they've grown. But this feels like a step back just based on the text alone. And that's that's disappointing considering, I, I mean, I would look at this as sort of their flagship 
uh, series, considering it was way more successful than yeah. expected. Stranger of Sword like City and the Operation Abyss games, or Operation Babel and Operation Abyss, those yeah. are more like pure dungeon crawlers. Um, like they're 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 like they have the class systems and they have um, they're a little bit more difficult. Most of them. It's uh, like it's like wizardry or something. Like where that. Like I, it feels packs. like Demon Gaze is more supposed to be like a mix now between like a dungeon crawler. And I don't want to say a mix between Dungeon Crawler and Visual Novel. That was kind of like what Rage Gigant was trying to be. But it is a lighter Dungeon Crawler, uh, I think. Uh, Rage Gigant, uh, yes. Well, I'm actually curious because, like, right now, the only two games that I know of that Experience is working on, there was that Deathmark game that's been going around that seems like kind of a horror-based Dungeon Crawler. And then there's also that Yomi Wo Sakahana that was delayed to, like, from, what, 2016 to, like, spring 2019 at this yeah, point? Yeah, and we haven't, like, seen anything from it. They showed, like, oh. I remember when they announced that, they showed, like, the main two characters, and they announced it as an action RPG, which is kind of weird because it's like, oh, this developer has never done anything like this. Um, oh. And then they kind of went silent for a while. And then they kind of came back and saying and said, "Well, it's no longer an action RPG; it's going to be a dungeon RPG again." Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. It's, an, it's like an Xbox One exclusive, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's yeah. Experience has been kind of weird like that. Like, I think Stranger of Sword City was first on Xbox One or Xbox 360, even, and then yeah. it went to Xbox One, and then it went to Vita, and then it went to PC. Uh, and there was like different publishers for that. Like, yeah, was that, like they they handled. Uh, I think in East America handled the PC version. Experience handled the Xbox 360, or maybe it was. Uh, and then there was like a re-release that had like a tiny amount of new content that Experience actually published themselves. Yeah. So I and Experience that. published the Xbox version in the West. And it's just a little bit weird, but anyways. Yeah, it's, it's so yeah, weird. they have. Like, Go ahead. Sorry, they have one. They have that one dungeon crawler, and they have some other project that I don't really know much about. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Death Mark looks kind of cool, but that's that's all. I mean, that's the only other thing I think they're working on. So hopefully it works out. But like Demon Gaze 2, I don't think it was that well received in Japan either. So, you know, maybe it's because, as you said, it was like a perfect combination early on in the Vita's life where people were really hungry for something like that. And they were able to be more successful than that uh, than they expected to be. They sold like 100,000 units when they expected it to sell 10,000, I think it was. So... Uh, that's pretty massive considering uh, yeah. the budget was probably very tiny. So uh, I'm sure that helped, but you know, it's a, weird. It's weird to see that in happen. a weird sense. I almost think having this game be on PlayStation Four and Vita almost like makes it, it less interesting. <laughs> uh, I yeah. mean, not not for me personally, but it's kind of I'm trying to casualize or generalize here. Like the first game was kind of like this is a Vita exclusive that you can't get anywhere else. It's a new IP. You know, it's something different than the other things that you have. And now it's just kind of like, well, here's another one, but it's, you know, on PlayStation 4, which you have a bunch of other, uh, obviously competing titles that you could better buying for your time, especially now that like the switch is out and people are. Yeah. I was actually going to mention that it feels like, um, maybe, uh, experience with some of the developer could probably strike gold once again, if they sold it on the switch, yeah. because I don't think there are any, dungeon crawlers that i can think of on the switch off the top of my head uh definitely some action rpgs because of gust and all that but like i can't think of any dungeon crawlers yeah. so i mean personally like the platform or you know the console doesn't matter too much to me but it just sure. i do think that that first one being like a vita exclusive at that time kind of worked yeah. in its favor <laughs> I, I definitely think that was the case uh and you know uh, we'll see if anything else happens but like right now it feels like it's them and like spike chunsoft and uh, I can't think off the top. Uh, Idea Factory and all that. Uh, trying to make dungeon crawlers. It like I said, it starts to sort of bleed together. So I guess we'll find out if uh they'll 
strike gold again, but we'll see. Besides that, though, um, it looks like you were playing some of the Horizon DLC Frozen Wilds. That came out this past Tuesday. How's that been for you? Yeah, so Horizon I played this summer, and I liked it a lot. Um, Me too. Too like, how do I put this? I have some misgivings with it. I do feel like there are places where it kind of feels a little bit typical. Like, oh yeah, this is an open world game, and this is an open world quest, and this is open world style. And it just kind of, it, it feels like there are some points where the game, I think, loses a little bit of its unique, like, flavor, especially from its, like, visuals and its art- artistic standpoint. Um, but I still thought it was a really solid game. Um, it has a really neat uh, combat system that you really don't see in other games. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like this hunter, more ranged focus and traps and things like that, rather than just, you know, like melee combat um, there. And so basically the Frozen Wilds came out and it's the only expansion for this game. And it's, it's, I think it's normally $20. It's a little bit less if you have PS Plus. Um, and what it basically is, is adds a, another zone to the area. Yeah, and, it's like to the north, obviously, right? And that's what it was. Yeah, it's basically the the, the frozen wilds. It's in the north of the map. It, it's it adds a new part of the map. Um, you basically access a quest to go there. And what what the, what this expansion basically is is, did you like Horizon Zero Dawn? Well, here is more of it. Um, so if you liked it, there's more to like here. Um, and so there's there's a couple more quests. Uh, you the your level cap increases from fifty to sixty. Uh, there's a couple of new monsters or not monsters, well, robot things, that yeah. you kind of have to figure out how to tackle those new guys. Um, you also get some new equipment, like some bows and upgrades that actually are more strong, like higher stats than anything else you can find in the game. Um, I'm actually kind of wondering, like, if you do this stuff earlier in the game, I wonder if it kind of messes up the balance of some of the regular game stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it takes, I don't know, uh, it takes... 10 or 15 hours or so to do it. Um, but yeah. it has a, it has a, it basically follows a storyline between uh, a chieftain and a shaman of this Banuk tribe that you meet in the game. And in the game, in the main game, I don't even know how required it is. You only meet a couple of people from this tribe and you kind of like get a taste of the type of things they do. Yeah. It's very yeah, shamanistic, as you said. Yeah. Like they believe like the, they wear like the, pieces of the robots like the little head as like a headdress they put it on their heads and, and they everything. also put like these wires in their skin and things like that it's kind yeah. of kind of very tribalistic so basically this is like now exploring that tribe more fully and so there's this kind of this little storyline that you play out with main characters new main characters from this tribe and it's okay you know it's, it, i don't think it's like a must play like wow this is really a standout storyline for a dlc it's just like okay that was a pretty interesting yeah it's not a sequel so it's yeah. not as, as integral yeah so it, it's it's you know it's fun um some of the visuals in the new like this game is a gorgeous game in general and kind of some of the some of the vistas and some of the visuals in the new location are, are as neat as you'd expect them to be yeah um, that's cool so so yeah it's uh I, I I I spent the time to kind of explore a lot and try to get like all the quests and collectibles and things. So it took me a while. I think it was worth the twenty dollars. But I think if you were to do it, just like stick to like the main quest in this new DLC, it might be a little bit short. But that's that's the thing. They, they did add a whole region to explore. Um, 
Yeah, so and it's, kinda, it's important to point out that yeah. also if you're a PlayStation Plus member, it's $15. It's yeah. still on sale, so I guess that's a permanent like discount for yeah. people interested in that. And it's also going to be included in like the upcoming complete edition or whatever they yes. called it. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. When's that supposed to be out again? I forget when. Like then. December, I think. Yeah, like the first week of December, something like that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, if you haven't bought the game yet, uh, yeah. that seems like a decent way to go about it. Absolutely. I think I think that's important. It, it should point out, though, it's like, I don't know if you should go the complete edition route just because the game was $20. The base game, Horizon Zero Dawn, was 20 bucks this week on Amazon, and it's supposed to be that price again for Black Friday. So and then the like, I don't know what the either other 15 than or maybe DLC bonus is. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, and I think the complete edition is like $50 normally, and it, it'll probably go on sale too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't, so I don't it, know. It, I think it's a pretty good DLC. Not a must-play, but you know, it's... It, it it it's a good excuse to play, get back to the game if you've already played it. So and you and you liked it, of course. Assuming, so yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what I spent this past week doing. I like I mentioned last week, I'd beaten uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and so I decided to pretty much go straight into playing Horizon Zero Dawn since I was able to get a copy of that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you, and actually, that's why I was curious to hear your thoughts first about Frozen Wilds because it's it's been kind of like. Uh, considering whether to dive into that or to just move into a different game uh, because, like I said, we don't have a lot of time and I'd like to have a really nice discussion on these games uh, during Game of the Year because in the past years, you might have like one or two pers- uh, people who have played a game and it's really hard to carry a discussion about that or at least convince other people if other people don't have any like knowledge of that game. Uh, it's a lot more work to convince people. But, I mean, to me, it was it was pretty incredible to be able to go from one one of those games to the next one because I think that's what made me really appreciate the fact that uh, as opposed to say um, Mario or uh, uh, other franchises like that, uh, other Nintendo mascots, it's like Zelda Breath of the Wild. There are some really serious things that happen in that game. Like there's death, and that's kind of crazy to think about uh considering uh some of the other zelda games don't really go that far uh breath of the wild it feels like at least with uh ganon uh he's very much a real threat and like the effects of that is very much real and so it was crazy to think about i mean obviously you had like elements of that in the other games in the series uh like uh, ocarina of time and of course like wind waker the world gets flooded uh so it's it's that type of thing but like it's serious. It's like there's mature, uh, mature um, uh, material in that game, and it was impressive to see that. And then I go to Horizon Zero Dawn, where uh, Guerrilla Games is a developer that I've had a lot of uh, appreciation for because I'm a big fan of the Killzone series. Obviously, not all of them are, hit, are really uh, big, but say Killzone Two, Three, and even Shadowfall, the fourth one that came out with the launch of the PS4, I like. Shadowfall because it looked like Blade Runner, <laughs> like a lot of the same sort of aesthetics and and the visuals uh, were lined up like that. And the writing I thought was decent. Um, but Killzone uh, Three I think was probably the pinnacle of that because I think you had like Malcolm McDowell was in that and you had other uh, famous actors like that and the writing was top notch. So to be able to see them take something like that, their ability to write a compelling story and take that into the RPG arena. Uh, I feel like they really nailed it. Yeah, um, and I remember earlier in the year before this game came out, like way back in January, like uh, people like to do this, like what's going to be the most disappointing game of the year, you know, or what's going to be a flop or whatever. <laughs> and some people were saying Horizon because, and I don't really, 
I don't really blame them because it's like a new genre from a developer that like hasn't really dabbled in this genre. It's a new IP, so that's a that's a bigger risk. You know, you, it's hard. It was kind of hard to know how well they were going to hit it, and turns out they hit it pretty well. So yeah. it's that I think that almost makes it more impressive um, yeah. that they kind of stepped out of their comfort zone and succeeded. And it's it's actually one of the best selling games of the year, even for, for like a console exclusive, uh, new IP. That's you know that's that's impressive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I played it during PlayStation Experience for the first time last December, and yeah, I didn't come across, I didn't come away from it feeling great about it. And it was after being you know very interested in it because of ever since they first teased the game with the uh, robots and all that um, off in the distance in the middle of like a forest, uh, I found that to be fascinating. And then they go ahead and, and do something like that, and it's interesting because you've got two prime examples of. Um, people of developers trying out a genre for the first time both the wild and horizon zero dawn neither of them have made an open world game before and this is something that they were able to pull off um pretty significantly well uh obviously as you said there is some qualms with horizon zero dawn but uh you know some of it i kind of worked around it like uh i enjoyed the fact that um i was able to sort of hop up on the environment <laughs> like i can like jump up on the rocks to get around like a banded camp for example and just like kind of weasel my way through it kind of like skyrim or something like that like i just found my way to get above everything else and either get around or just sort of uh be like cheese a boss if i wanted to and i found that kind of it be hilarious and i did kind of like the fact that horizon zero dawn at least um there's no like stamina bar. Yeah. I got really sick of that in Zelda. Like stamina, stamina, and the climbing and the weather. Like that really pissed me off at points. Uh, but you know, obviously, Breath of the Wild I think uh, is, is an incredible game. But those are the issues. So both games, I think, had problems. I, but, it, was, it was kind of yeah. funny playing them like off and on. Yeah. And like I'm playing Horizon, I'm about to jump off a cliff and like try to get my paraglider out. Like, wait, wrong <laughs> game. <laughs> no paragliding, you just straight up fall to your death in that yep. game. You don't have any sort of gliding ability. I do sadly. know. I, I know a friend of mine was talking about like he he wasn't a big fan of Horizon because he felt like there were too many robots everywhere, and he, he, he his his criticism was it felt like you were always under attack. And I don't know. Like I, I feel like it did a pretty good balance of having like these zones where there's where it feels dangerous to like to roam around in because it's supposed to be dangerous. Like that's the yeah. wilderness. But then they there's also, I mean, yeah, sorry. there's also these like big open fields that were more safe, and there was a bunch of paths and things like that, which were like meant to be like this is how people get from one settlement to another. So I, I think that some of like the world like structure in terms of like the actual physical layout of where the settlements and where the roads and where the wildernesses are, I thought that was pretty good. Like it felt like there were some areas that were safer than others, and that's you know that's interesting. Yeah, it, it, make, it makes it it makes you feel a little bit more tense or on edge when you're like in this like nowhere zone of the of the mountains and like you're, there's these storm hawks or whatever that are roaming around that you'd really don't want to <laughs> aggravate so that's that's the thing right it's that you know and it's also about um i mean i'm not going to spoil it but it's also about the amount of time between when the catastrophe of sorts struck and say breath of the wild versus horizon zero dawn yeah. and to the day because zelda breath of the wild it's like you know this big travesty happened but unless you're like right next to hyrule castle you probably couldn't really tell because <laughs> a lot of it seemed pretty peaceful with like open um uh, stables and things like that you can just run into uh, randomly despite the fact that there's like these guardians and uh, these other monsters roaming about and to be fair like at least in that game if you do kill the monsters they don't respond until the next red moon of sorts uh, which 
kind of like plot device way to like re- respawn all the monsters. But at Zero Dawn, they just kind of reappear pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Maybe if you like fast travel. So that is, I mean, that is kind of weird. Although to be fair, like there's plenty of ways to get like your stealth up where, especially with like armor and, and uh, skills and such, where they don't really cause any problem. And uh, I mean, to be fair, like a lot of the time I just straight up sprinted past them and yeah. didn't worry about it because they don't like chase you down to the end of the earth. <laughs> so I wasn't too bothered by that aspect. Um, you know, there's uh, some issues you can say with like the traversing and the fast travel system and all that stuff that was kind of annoying. But uh for the most part, though, especially when you leveled up your character enough, um, Aloy enough, it wasn't. A pr- I don't think it was any issue really, um, and I had a lot of fun with it. You know, and mm-hmm. like I said, the story was very well made, and uh, it's like this weird contrast between Zelda with its sort of, um, I wouldn't say cartoony, but uh, definitely more uh, uh, animated adventure style, and. Horizon Zero Dawn, very much like a mature, straightforward story. Although I shouldn't really call it that because I feel like both games really delve deep into uh, the mature storytelling very well. I think both of them struck a, struck a nice chord with me, and it's going to be very hard to sort of uh, discuss those two games uh, when it comes around to that game of the year because I had such a great time with both of them for their own respective reasons. Uh, I do think Breath of the Wild is a better game, but Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, did a very novel job at doing what it did. Yeah. So. And, and you know, uh, I agree. Basically and clearly, the way things are going, it's clear that um, Horizon Zero Dawn will get a sequel at some point. As you said, is also because of how successful it was. Breath of the Wild. It's so you know, like where Guerrilla Games can take Horizon Zero Dawn. It just needs to like improve the formula and and do like maybe a bigger world and more environments and such like that. Because uh, there's more. Just it's like forest or snow. <laughs> uh, Breath of the Wild. Like it makes me kind of, you know. Uh, anxious a little bit, I guess, uh, to see where they can take, Nintendo could take it, but if you know anyone could do it, I think they can do it, because, by God, I think the the, the games that you can say, the bad Zelda games you can say are, are very few and far between. Uh, Killzone 1 and 4, I don't think were that great, uh, so it's it's kind of different for them. Uh, well, it's, it's, they got something harder to do. Horizon, like, in terms of, like, an actual sequel, like, they even, like, kind of tease at the end yeah. of it, like, it's not like a very obvious like there will be a sequel, but it's like okay, there's an obvious pathway here where a sequel yeah, would they go. <laughs> they, did. they need to take it from there, and you know it's like uh, not, everything's not wrapped up with a neat little bow, yeah. Uh, as opposed to say you know Breath of the Wild, where it's like okay, clearly you got to defeat Ganon. That's that's yeah. the, that's the big thing. About well, the story, they, so. Nintendo said in some somewhere I don't recall where exactly that this open world style in general is where they want to stick with going forward. Yeah. So yeah, I don't is. think it's like. For for the next Zelda game, which might be you know five six years out, who knows? Um, but sometimes that's how long this game took. Yeah, which uh, which timeline is it going to be though? That's the other part. <laughs> if you care, but yeah, I, I like the next Zelda game. Like in terms of like story connection, Zelda that's always kind of a weird thing how they're connected yeah. to each other, and it may not be connected at all, but people will try to connect them, whatever. But in terms of like the actual game itself. I think they're they're they want to make it this open world style again and maybe try to smooth out some things like so it's probably not going to uh, be just yes. obviously this is very very early prediction um before they've even like confirmed that they're even working on anything but uh I assume they're probably going to try to it's not going to be as monumentally unique and different that Breath of the Wild was but try to rather be more of a refining type of style like okay we're going to take yeah. what we the creative aspects of Breath of the Wild that we introduced to the series and try to refine, kind of smooth out the edges. Things like, I don't know, weapon durability, uh, 
the rain weather systems yeah some of the things they might try to tweak it a little bit just try to you know have an open world game um and trying to maybe buff out the edges so it's but again it's this is really early but they they did say that the uh the open world style is kind of how they want to go how they want to do this going forward at least for the immediate future so yeah i mean they've done that plenty of times in the past right like ocarina of time majora's mask and you've got skyward uh, tyler princess and skyward I mean, sword so ocarina of time all the way to really skyward sword skyward sword is a little bit different yeah um but th- those games were kind of all in the same mold so <laughs> Yes, I, I mean, expect there to be a couple I mean, of games in, this, in the like Breath of Wild mold. Games, of course. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Anyways, I yeah, think... it, it's so um, exciting things, and then of course, at least with Zelda's, uh, we've got one more DLC uh, at the end of the year. Uh, it's apparently according to the eShop, it's going to be in December, which is not really surprising. They said they would get it up by the end of the year. Yeah. Don't know if it's going to be in time for discussions, but you know, for the most part, I think we know what Zelda Breath of the Wild is. I don't think we need really anything further. Right. But I'm looking forward to playing that particular DLC just because I'm curious to see exactly uh, what or what happened to the champions or like what what else they could do with that particular aspect. Because yeah, as you said. There's probably going to be a long gap between this and that, and and the and whatever the sequel happens to be. I assume maybe in the middle they'll go for maybe some smaller experiences that are more yeah. uh, switch uh, playing around with like the switch portable aspect because it seems like the 3ds is on its way out. So maybe they'll do something with the bring back another Four Swords adventures, maybe. Or they might do something <laughs> like a Link Between Worlds, you know, kind of a a 2D Zelda, you know, oh, kind of stopgap type game that you know Link Zelda Between Worlds is really good. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I I'm very curious to see exactly what they do before they make another full fledged Zelda game. If it means sticking with the same engine or going with something completely Skyward Sword remake. Yeah. I don't know if I'd you like know, that. <laughs> at this point, like an H D version of that. I mean that's I they've that... they've they've done H D versions of like every other game. Or not H D, but at least remakes. So Did, wasn't there like a tease like recently about like, you know, the the team that did the Twilight Princess H D version, like there was a T like they're taking them to the skies. I, I, I could have swore like there was or there was like a link or something like that. Um let me look this up real quick because uh That was Tantalus, right? That's I think it might have been. Yeah. This is uh Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up because I think it's important to for our discussion that we got. Um, yeah. Okay. Studio behind this is from Game Informer. Studio behind Zelda remakes hiring Unreal Engine four programmers for new Legend. So Legend. Yeah. It's it. There's a potential there, as you said, that there's going to be. Uh, um, uh, I mean, they uh, they've done a 3D they, remake. They Sorry, go ahead. They've, they've done remakes of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on 3DS, and then they've done the HD remasters of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess on Wii U, and or I guess both, those are both Wii U. So if they did a Skyward Sword remaster, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't really a big fan of Skyward Sword, so... Yeah, uh, I mean, to be fair, like... This is we're talking Unreal Engine Four, so that would be a remake, not yeah, a remaster. So sure. I don't know if they would really do that much with the with um with that, unless they went to like you know, uh the I was thinking like uh what was it the um the seasons games <laughs> like they'll, that's like those games the Oracle games Unreal Engine Four or Ocarina of Time remake and Unreal Engine. Oh man, I okay, I need to stop looking at that post because I'm getting excited. But uh, you know, just just keeping in mind that yeah, that studio that helped Nintendo is working on something new. So who knows exactly what that means? But that clearly sounds like it would end up on a uh, Switch. So uh, that's your idea of what potentially could be the the stopgap between uh, the two big Zelda games coming out. So I guess we'll find out. Um, so let's go ahead and head up into the news. So, uh, yeah, uh, Nintendo held their direct, uh, 
this past week for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It wasn't a particularly a particularly long direct, as they don't tend to be, uh, because this was only focused on Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So, yeah, uh, Adam, they, they kind of just delved into a little bit about the DLC that they plan, right? Yeah, so the, basically there's two major announcements. One is um, you can get Japanese audio for voices as a free DLC, much like with uh, Zelda after yes. the fact and uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, which is, you know, I think all Japanese games, the option is great, um, especially because it seems like the first impressions of the English voice acting were iffy. We'll see. Um, but oh, that's always... Yes. It's always great to have that option, I think. Um, I always think it's really cool um, that games can have all these different voice options. Like, I actually saw that apparently not too long ago they added Spanish to uh, Horizon. Like, if oh. you want to, you can play that in Spanish. Like, nice. I, I just think that's really cool. Um, yeah. Helps the people that live there, obviously, because they, they have a tar- hard time listening to the other voices like that. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's cool. So, yep, you can get Japanese voices for Xenoblade. Um, I have a random question. Did the first Xenoblade have Japanese voices on Wii? I think that we may have discussed that that was the case. Not the new 3DS version, because I, I imagine... Yeah, I imagine that's... I believe the first game did, yeah. It's one of those things, like, I don't know if it was official or if it was just added because the Wii was broken open and you can just add it anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was official. Yeah. Uh, and I will say at least that based on the uh, sheets that are going around that people have compiled, like, the Japanese version has some top-tier voice talent. So mm-hmm. that's particularly what I'm excited about, too. Yep. And then the second major announcement was that there's going to be a bunch of DLC, which I guess isn't surprising. No. But first, yeah. it is a season pass that is $30. So that's a bit higher than a typical season pass. It's usually like $20. Uh, I know there's been a couple. like I think like the Zelda? Assassin's the Assassin's Zelda was 25 right? I think sorry? that's what it was. Zelda is 20 Oh, 20, sorry. Yeah. But I know like the Assassin's Creed Origin season pass was like $40 or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, but, and I should mention, I think that the Xenoblade Chronicles X game may have had the dual audio. The no, original Xenoblade uh, Chronicles, I don't think. No, had. Xenoblade Chronicles X did not, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Sorry, so, let's keep talking about Anyways, <laughs> so there's a $30 season pass for Xenoblade. Yeah. And basically, they, they, they kind of have an outline. We don't know exactly what this stuff is yet, but like... The game releases in December, and then later that month you get there's going to be like support items, so probably just like cheat items, you know, some high level consumables or whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, and then like in January, so the ne- very next month, there's going to be a couple of quests, uh, and then next spring there's going to be a rare blade. So that, that seems kind of weird because I felt like there's a lot of rare blades in the game, so I guess there's going to there be at least ton, yeah, one so. more, I guess. And then next summer there's going to be a challenge mode, like maybe I don't know, we don't know if a boss rush or like some sort of arena mode or whatever like that. Arena mode, I assume it'd be arena, yeah. Yeah, and then um, next fall, so a ways from now, there's going to be a story DLC. Um, and I believe the season pass stuff, most of it, you have to get the season pass, or at least the uh, story stuff you do. Like, I think it's not, all of it, they said. Uh, so you, you can't the, buy it individually, you kind of have to buy the whole, all of it or none of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it won't. You won't be able to get any of it on your own. You have to get the whole. You have to get the the season pass, whatever they call it, uh, the enhanced. Yeah. My hand on whatever. I forget what they call it. The expansion pass. I think I think uh, that was the same with Zelda too, right? You had to get. You yeah. had to buy this, this this the expansion pass to get both the the DLC they released and the upcoming one. So I think this is the same. Um, yeah. And I just want to. Well, they also uh, they have a little Breath of the Wild little. Uh, uh, crossover you can get his costume or you yeah. can get the costume for rex who's saw... the main character it's kind of silly in breath of the wild it has the same functionality as the zora suit 
kind of, which is kind of weird, but oh, okay. like it, it raises your swim speed. I don't know. I don't know why the Rex costume would do that, but that's what it does. Yeah, that's the one that makes you go up the waterfalls yeah. really fast and swim quicker. So yeah, that's kind of bizarre. I know. Did you, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if you also got it, but I think I saw Brian had. I got that it. Costume. Yeah, it's just a. There's just a little quest. You kind of go to a couple of places, uh, like a little like meteor falls down from the sky. You pick it up and you do that three times, and that's the three pieces of armor. So just kind of a quick little quest. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that was um, added to the most recent Zelda patch the other day, and so yeah. like anyone for free, so anyone can go out and get that. Uh, if they want to, but if it's the same exact uh, armor rating as the, uh, as the I think Zora, it's lower armor than the Zora stuff. So it's. I wonder if can you even. I wonder if you can even upgrade. No, you can't. <laughs> That's kind of like a lot of the DLC armor. It just kind of has a set stat, and you can't do the normal Great Fairy upgrade process on it. Um, uh, I mean, there's definitely outfits in that game you cannot upgrade, so that will just be another one of those. So it just seems like it's a novel thing, but really no point to it at all. It just looks neat. All right. Well, that's not too surprising. So yeah, um, obviously that'll be out uh, with the release of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is what, December 1st, I think yeah. it was? Yeah, so that's that's going to be out there. Uh, I, Josh is currently playing that game. So That's, that's, that's why he's not on the podcast. Yes, he's he's going to be super busy because uh, you know we only got a few weeks to cover that game before the embargo is up, so uh, which is pre-release. I so, never I never played Xenoblade Chronicles X or Cross or whatever it is you call it. Yeah, and I Cross. I kind of want to play that first, but there's no way I'm going to have time. No, and I know it's not like that. That's more of a spin-off now or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not. I don't think it's there's any real connection to it because clearly there's a whole different cast of characters. Um, but also, you know, uh, I, sh- I I wouldn't you know hamstring yourself, especially because you know that means going back to the Wii U and who yeah. wants to do that at this point. Uh, but uh, for what it's worth, uh, I spent a few hours in Xenoblade Chronicles Cross, I guess, uh, and it was all right. Uh, but I didn't feel inclined to continue on, so I don't know how I feel about this game. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I mean, obviously we'll have a lot more to talk about when we actually get around to playing it, but it, it definitely sure. is like doing some new and different things with like the rare blades and there's kind of like this, almost like this gachapon randomness element to yeah. it where you have a chance to get certain blades and what what blades you get may alter your, even it might even alter like the way you play the game, like your strategy, because different blades have different, you know, uses. Yeah, and so it's a little bit different. So it's kind of like I, I was like, I, I guess I'm curious how this is going to work, and like how, like the the, the Xenoblade uh, Japanese basically Twitter account is basically this is all they've been doing for the last like month or more is just advertising all these different rare blades, um, and that's kind of like their promotion for the game. So it's hard to say like how I'm I'm curious how big of a role does this play in the game? Like it seems like it's pretty big because that's all they seem to talk about um, when they're marketing this. But yeah. it, you know, it's one of those things you don't really know until you play it. So, I mean, it's clearly there's they're calling it the biggest game they've ever worked on, Monosoft, and I'm sure Nintendo as well. So, like, we're talking like the the biggest yeah. production and the biggest teams, and even the the music, the biggest soundtrack that Yasunori Matsuda has ever worked on. So, clearly, it's it's supposed to be substantial. Um, whether that also rolls around to it uh, being as good as the, some of the games we talked about, like Horizon and Breath of the Wild, we'll yeah. see. But I'm sure if you're a fan of Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, one or cross um you'll probably walk into this feeling very happy and, and, and excited uh but we'll have more of that as we said later on so um moving to the other piece of news that we've got here we'll talk more about the switch in a bit but uh 
another piece that came out this week is Neon Falcom uh, pretty much confirmed what we already kind of knew. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 will be coming to the PlayStation 4 sometime next year. Uh, and whatever the successor of Trails of Cold Steel 3 will also be there. Um, they didn't come out and say whether that means Trails of Cold Steel 4. Uh, we're just assuming it's whatever the next entry I, might be. Cause, I yeah. think they basically said the next entry in the series will also be on PS4. Yeah. And uh, this is a very light spoiler, but it doesn't seem like Cold Steel Three like wraps up things completely. No, so it's kind of so apparently. <laughs> so basically, the 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 uh, the implication is is that this is Cold Steel Four. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking like you know you know Al and Zeno Kaseki are clearly the successors to Trolls in the Sky, but like it's right. not named the same. So. Uh, uh, but that's, you know, uh, a different matter. But none of this has been confirmed for the West yet, so we still don't know if we're going to get the ports because it's kind of different. Uh, XC, uh, Falcom paid XC to port their games to PC, but when it comes to, like, uh, bringing over other entries, that's totally different. Like, the Evolution games obviously never came over. Uh, Trails in the Sky Evolution, uh, that's that was kind of different. Uh, but... I would really hope so, especially considering Trust Code Steel 3 is a PlayStation 4 exclusive. So it would be nice to have them all in one place, all four games. But uh, that's, I mean, I still need to play the second one, in fact. But that, I guess we'll, we'll find out soon whether that's going to be happening and who, in fact, is going to be the ones going to be localizing it after what happened to uh, East 8. But um, we'll see. And then another piece of news that we got was also uh, Utuwa Romano is going to remake for the PlayStation 4 and Vita. So, boy, uh, it's kind of an amazing thing. Clearly, they're using the engine for Mask of Deception and Mask of Truth. Um, and the weird thing is, I think they said like the, some of the portraits are cropped. Portraits are cropped. And so, I guess they're really trying to cram everything into this uh, to this release. Uh, I don't know if you have any other details about that, because I know you did the post for them, but that seems kind of the all, cool. they, all they really said is it's going to have... like This release is like in a couple of months, like I guess yeah. April or something. But I guess I have a couple of comments. Um, I remember when people were talking about Mask of Truth and Mask of Deception, those were, those were, it seems like a lot of stuff gets localized currently. That's the market these days. Yeah. And there's lots of different teams working on them. But it was still a little bit of a surprise that the Mask of Truth, Mask of Deception got localizations. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. from Atlas. And you played them both. And apparently they're pretty well done. And, yeah, the story at least. I mean, obviously people can uh, talk about but, the gameplay and all, but I love the story. Yeah, but I guess I, I, I have I, like I don't know much about the series. Like I'm familiar with it from a glance, but I know a lot of people were wondering like, well, the, the Mask of Truth, Mask of Deception take place like 20 years after the original, which is not available in English, so yeah. or at least not officially. So I, I know a lot of people were like, can you just jump in here? Like, can I play the first one? You know, like the the, the fact that there was a first one that you could not play. Uh, did seem to be a concern. And now that it's getting a remake and there's been other games that have been localized, it's like, well, here's a perfect opportunity for the first one to get a, to be, a, to <laughs> yeah. be available in English. Um, so we'll see if Atlas picks that up. And Atlas has been doing a, quite a few... Uh, they've, they've done a couple of these Aqua Plus games. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been doing some different ones, like the uh, Dungeon Travelers, stuff like that. Uh, actually, I don't know if that's Aqua Plus. Well, but what I was that other one? Tears of Tiara? Like Tears of Tiara, yeah. Yeah. 
So that's that's been kind of the things. But like, yeah, Mask of Deception and Mask of Truth, they're basically the sequel to the original, split in half. Uh, yeah. So the different parts. So yeah, uh, clearly you want to play this remake if it ever happens to come over because there is definitely characters that appear in Deception and Truth that are carryovers from the original game. So their significance, their impact is way more weighted when you've got that yeah. uh, reference to work with. So yeah, obviously, like, like you said, there was a English fan translation for the game that was released years and years ago, uh, back when I was in college, in fact. And so it's, um, which was a decade ago, I'm aging myself. But yeah, um, the fact that it's going to official localization makes you wonder if they're going to work with the fan translation or just straight up do their own and and, st- and go with that. Because, of course, Exceed uh, did it themselves, uh, used to, you know, uh, they still do, in fact. They use the fan translations. Like Zway, of course, was using the yeah, fan Exceed translation. Exceed does that a co- for a couple of their games. Like, I, I think Xanadu Next was also based on the fan translation where they, they license it out. And they, of course, you know, make their own edits and changes to it. But Of course, make it, obviously, yeah. uh, go over with a fine-tooth chrome. But um, Atlas, I don't know if they ever, t- ever touch any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they just decided to, instead of having to deal with all that, they just decided to do all the work themselves. But um, but we don't even know if this will be localized. But I would hope so. And yeah. I'm, I'm really expecting it to. So. It'd be, it'd be, like I said, that'd be kind of great if eventually you could say, hey, you can buy the three Utawa Romano games on Vita or PS4. And those that that's basically it, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only three games. Like, and, there's uh, no other part you're missing. Like, or at least sure. not like a main part. I don't know. I'm sure there's some spinoff somewhere. But uh, actually, no. I think these are. That's it. And this is actually supposed to be like uh, Mask of Truth. Is supposed to be the end of it. But you know, you yeah. can't say never, right? Right. Um, I would. I would hope that maybe eventually they'll put him to PC because Utaramana was a PC game. So. Uh, maybe they'll decide to do that just because the fan base was over there. But, you know, I guess they maybe they've just accepted the fact that it's on consoles now and they don't care. Yeah. But, you know, that's for what it's worth. Like I said, uh, based on the video, the footage, anyone who's played either Deception or Truth. Yeah, it's exact same engines, exact yeah. same. Looks like the combat's the same uh, story, everything. Uh, I shouldn't say the story's the same, but like the layout looks like exactly the same. Yeah, basically so. the details just said they they obviously are redoing some of the like the CG artwork. They're, they yeah. they the music. I don't. I think they said the music is going to be like touched up, but it's not going to be like fully like re-recorded or whatever no but. this the music looks like it's about this like they yeah. were playing some of the same tracks from the other games which i i guess it, yeah. it just means that i forgot that uh the tracks were the same from the first game they're just reusing that stuff for, even for this one but you know okay i guess not a big deal so we just have yeah, a couple more pieces Japan, so. are we done talking about this we think yeah okay i was, I was, just, I was gonna jump ahead here um so the next piece of news we just have a couple more pieces of more industry like type in, news industry news yeah yeah uh, so Capcom basically had a lot of companies had their uh, recent like quarters wrapping up, and their results and financial results and all that. Um, Capcom previously has kind of been a I, they've almost become like an internet meme about like how they're like one of the only companies not supporting Nintendo Switch. Um, kind of in yeah, a other jo- than like Monster Hunter stuff, like Double Cross, which is just for the Switch, but that was like that's it, and that's Japan only, even. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but basically, they kind of they in their financials, they basically announced that they are developing titles for Switch right now that are planned to come next fiscal year. So that's next 2018, past April. Yeah. And they basically, we don't know anything other than they are um, going to include an Ace Attorney game. We don't know what it is. It could be a remake. It could be something brand new. But basically, that's all we know, that Capcom is developing an Ace Attorney game for Switch, among other titles. Um, yeah, I would 
I would kind of assume that since the 3DS is wrapping up, it just means they're taking yeah. their their visual novel. Yeah, they're going that way. But considering I mean, the games have been looking better and better, uh, and obviously they were released on the Wii and uh, also Ace, original Ace Attorney games. So yeah. well, even a lot of Ace Attorney games are. I don't know if all of them are, but most of them are on phones now. So those have yeah, those have the high resolution artwork and things like that. So I imagine if they wanted to port those over to Switch, they could. Um, like a collection, you know. Yeah, they've done that. So, they released the Ace Attorney trilogy, so that's possible. Yeah, so it might be something like that. Um, Square Enix also had their financials, and they apparently are doing really well. <laughs> they had some, yes. they had high profits this last quarter. Um, and Final they, Fantasy 15 did very well, apparently. Yeah, Final <laughs> Fantasy 15, I know, has kind of become a butt of jokes. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's it's that's it's a weird game to discuss, but it sold a lot, and yeah. other it's games like Near surpassed expectations significantly and is still I think selling they said, so um sorry just to not to not to like cut you off but no from what i remember it's that uh dragon quest 11 hit over 3 million near automata cl- uh, clear 2 million and final fantasy 15 i think is that like six they said 6.6 6. 6. 6, yeah yeah those are the three main three numbers they gave um so basically they're doing pretty well this year uh <laughs> pretty well for sure. And Better than expected. Basically, the most interesting thing out of their financials is that they said that they are interested in Switch and that they are planning to develop for it. We didn't get any, any concrete details other than that basically nothing's off the table. It can be a new game. It can be a revived IP that hasn't been around for a while. Uh, it can be an existing... Who knows? So basically, yeah. they basically said they are planning on supporting Switch. Um what does Square Enix have on Switch so far? Like, what have they announced? They announced they have that Dragon Quest Builders, Quest, uh, Final Fantasy uh, Fortune Street game. I yeah. think is that that's a, is that a Switch game? I, I think or is that a I don't know off the top of my game? head. So they have uh, the Dragon Quest Builders games. They have Dragon Quest Eleven is supposed to come out there right. eventually. <laughs> um, there's the uh, there's the uh, Senken Densetsu collection in Japan. That's that's right. Yeah, that's another thing. The second Descensor collection. Uh, there's been rumor of a new of the world ends with you, but I don't know. Yeah, it just that comes from that some stuff. forum. That's just been usually, like so, users saying like they have inside knowledge about that stuff. I don't know if I would I would take that with a grain of salt because Tatsuya Nomura is so busy. Yeah, like with what is other game? <laughs> what is Nomura? What, when does Nomura have a chance game, to do so. it? <laughs> anyway. I don't know. That's 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 a different matter. But yeah, it's uh, for Square Enix. I'm, I don't really, off the top of my head, I'm not too sure. But yeah, I mean, obviously that sounds like they could eventually release Final Fantasy 15 on there because I mean they obviously are releasing the Pocket Edition. Soon, yeah. So that, that, that's 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 the uh, that's the rumor, not the rumor, but like people are wondering. Like, I wonder if the Switch is going to get the Pocket Edition of Final Fantasy 15. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they'll get. That that'd be a bummer. Uh, but at the same time, based on the pricing of Pocket Edition, actually wouldn't be opposed to it because I mean it'd be a cheaper way for me to play it. And so, and it's obviously it'd be more like a focused uh, game, yeah. maybe like with the refinements that it needed. I don't know. Uh, maybe it'll get the like the the Lightning trilogy <laughs> in there instead. The Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy that'll be the the HD version. That'll be uh, uh, which is weird to say. I'm kind of surprised that hasn't been announced for like PS4. I mean, it probably it's, will. Right? Yeah. It's I mean, they've, of... they've obviously just released Final Fantasy Twelve remaster, so it's who knows? In a couple of years, when they're still looking for remasters, maybe they'll remaster those. Who knows? They'll remaster Dirge Cerberus and they'll bring that over. We'll eventually get that. Oh, I yeah. mean, honestly, like uh, there's, there's definitely games in the past that I would love to see it because, like Crisis Core, of course, just sitting there because of God damn it. Uh, 
I'm not. I I I I think I think at some point people rolled that out, but like, yeah, the reason it's not on PSN is because God has a son in there, and he didn't want to like license it or something like that. Oh, bullshit! Because he was like one of the characters in that game. Um, but so, like that that's been sitting there. So the last oh. developer that had mentioned Switch in their financials is Bandai Namco. Yes, and they've already been supporting Switch a little bit. They have a uh, Dragon Ball oh, yeah. Xenoverse two. Um, what else do they have? Do they have much else though? Uh, I think that. Well, okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the the Guilty Gear game is supposed to be out on the on the Switch. Is that Bandai well. Namco though? <laughs> I mean, they were typically published. No. Yeah. Sorry, that, I'm thinking of Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, that's totally different though. Uh, is that, uh, I'm gonna okay. We're gonna I'm gonna look this up again because they said that they had three games that they released yeah that, that on was the, the announcement Switch that are doing very well uh, for them. Uh, okay, actually, they have a dedicated page for that stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, and apparently Xenoverse 2 sold like 400,000 copies for them. So, yeah, uh, Xenoverse 2, oh, yeah, One Piece, uh, Metal World, Red, I already forgot about the One Piece, yeah. And the Namco Museum. That's the three games uh, that they've released so far. Apparently, the Namco Museum is actually a pretty good deal. But, um, yeah, they said they have three other big games uh switch exclusive games coming out from spring to summer hopefully that's not a mini game collection like namco museum but something more significant there was the tease of the tales game but yeah I don't know, it sounds like it's too soon it's, yeah so they that and the only thing we know about that tales game is like back in one of the switches like original announcements like when they were first revealing this console they had just like a they had like a third party slash franchise like slide yeah. And the tails of logo was there, and that's literally all we know. <laughs> so yeah, it was a logo we didn't recognize. That was from tails. Like it, it wasn't like it was like in green font. Like that's all we could really tell. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And then so, so yeah, they have a couple. They they announced they have three games coming. We don't know. They're Switch exclusive, so they're not just ports. But who knows? I think that's a, it's significant to point out the fact that it seems like Japan is really embracing the Switch. Obviously, I mean, we've got plenty of examples this past year of, of Switch games coming over that weren't there before, like the Sky uh, and some of the Gus games. Atelier, uh, the new Atelier game is going to be coming out on the Switch soon enough. Um, uh, Liddy and Swell. So that just shows that it seems like that's the Vita replacement at this point, which I don't blame them. I considering. mean, they don't have any other replacement. So Yeah, I think like recently ROM 2064 had to cancel their Vita version because they hit the memory limitations, which is something I talked about before in this podcast when I was walking around PlayStation Experience talking to indie, indie developers, and they were just saying um, they were having a really difficult time developing games for the, Switch, for the Vita because of the hardware limitations, the, the innards. So it just seems like they're all moving that way. So who knows if that means Sony might announce their own, a, a, new, a new portable platform to make up for that. Uh, but the fact that with the 3DS kind of going away, uh, considering the Etrian Odyssey is done on that platform and Pokemon's about done with that, moving to their own new game on the Switch next year sometime, it just shows that uh, there's a huge swell of support behind this thing. And that's exciting. Uh, I mean, obviously the support for like Xbox and Sony will always be there. But um, to see that on a Nintendo platform, it's fascinating. And I think that one of the executives, if I'm not mistaken, uh, made the comment uh I think it was probably during the earnings call as well, uh, that 
because the Wii U failed, the Switch is doing so well. Like it, it, it was a result of, of it failing that the Switch is doing so well because it just it's like this thing like everything's going so well for this, and everyone was so burned out on the Wii U that you know this seems like this is the perfect replacement for that. So uh, you know, all the more power to Nintendo, and I think that I'm I love the fact that I own one now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, more and more. And we've got like you know some great games coming up soon with like Project Octopath, for example. That's going to be out sometime soon. So you know, there's in Lost Sphere and all these other ones. So uh, clearly, uh, a lot of momentum. And, and they they also announced breath, uh, there's been <laughs> coming off of our conversation last podcast about all these games that may potentially have a sequel, and we want to kind of see that. Um, I'll quickly say that Blue Reflection uh, may very likely continue, according to the uh, producer, Junsa Hosoi, um, who told Dengeki PlayStation that they've been hearing from fans that they want to make a sequel, so they're looking into it. Uh, but also in that same magazine, there was an interview with Yasuke Saito uh, of Square Enix um, saying that the nearest series will almost definitely continue, which isn't a big surprise. Yeah. Uh, as we said, it's sold more than 2 million units, which is way more than I'm sure they expected. Uh, they are currently recruiting a scenario planner, uh, so they're obviously in the concept stages for the game, and they've already talked to Yoka, Yoko Taro, and he, yeah, he's he said, he'll, I think he made the comment that, you know, Yoko Taro would do anything for money, and so I'm sure <laughs> yeah. were, it wasn't that hard to get him to join. And obviously that's his baby, so it was clear that he'd be helping. Yep. And I mean, not not unexpected. Um, I know some people maybe showed some hesitation that they didn't want near to become a franchise that they wanted yeah. it to be like. You know, they'd rather maybe it be. I guess I guess the worry was that they didn't want Yoko Taro or the creative vision to be like shackled by yeah. the need for a franchise or a sequel financially. But I basically, I, I kind of feel like obviously people really appreciate the the elements that Yoko Taro brings in terms of his creative vision. Um, and it seems like the team at uh, Platinum is the team that really allowed him to to deliver that. Because yeah. basically all the rest of the Dragon Guard games and the original Nier, like, almost everyone will tell you that they're, they're not that fun to play, even though there's some interesting parts to those games. So it seems like they kind of had a match in heaven here, and now... As long as they basically, I think, allow Yoko Taro to have the creative, basically, steering wheel. Yeah, the freedom to right. do it. And it's funny because, like, um, during Anime Expo, uh, and I've, I've talked about this before, but Hironobu Sakaguchi, during his panel, just said that Yoko Taro is, is a big fan of him because it seems like, it, yeah, if you look at, like, the trailers and the cinematics for Dragon Guard series, you can definitely see a lot of the stuff that is being shown in Nier, a lot of the adult elements and even, like, some of the, the storytelling and the, and the interactions between the characters. Um, the fact that that happened, and he said that, you know, uh, Yoko Taro's vision, it was, like, way ahead of everybody else's, and now everyone else is sort of starting to uh, get up to his pace and understand that vision, as you said. So it's, it's exciting to see someone like that um, who's obviously got this way out there way of thinking uh although he's a real delight to follow on twitter i'll say um to be able to do something like that and as you said i really do hope as well that he has the creative freedom to do what he wants because uh, we didn't make like an article for example alex did one i don't know if we talked about this before but yeah uh about how people were thinking about Yokotara working on a new Final Fantasy game. And uh, Alex basically said, because of the way that the series, Final Fantasy series, is so based on, uh, you know, 
uh, focus testing and uh, you know all the budget ne- the necessary the the different levels that need to be met and how it needs to be accepted by all these different levels of executives before it can even come to light. Uh, that would be con- very contrary to what Yakutara is very much known yeah. for. Like, so it really hurt it. I th- with with the near series, it's I think I think people now know to expect it's going to be weird at times and yeah, it might no be doubt. different and it worked out well for near automata but who knows the next his next idea might not work out so well but even then i still think people will appreciate just the fact that it they expect it to be weird and different and unique whereas for the final fantasy brand obviously the final no. fantasy brand is still kind of in a weird spot sort of maybe but like it's, they it's they don't they don't really want to risk this sort of thing, experimental right? yeah. you know take on that i think and that's kind of what alex is arguing that he thinks that this sort of taste for the near series should stay as its own thing um yeah, absolutely so. i mean yeah if it's i mean yeah it's like, like I, I mentioned it's like it's a it's a very much a mass market thing and if it doesn't ap- uh, appeal to the mass market then square enix uh and the, and the, the shareholders would be very disappointed in that yeah. and they can't have any of that so that's that's definitely not going to happen. So if it means having another near game, I mean there was a third Dragon Guard. Game, yeah. So it's not like it's unheard of to have a third entry in a series. Yakuza was worked on clearly. Uh, so they, I mean, let it be done, and then maybe from there I'll just bounce off to a whole new project. You know, I, I definitely it seems like you know this is in the planning stages. So who knows? Maybe they'll go with something completely different. They maybe this won't work out, and they'll do something else. Near versus uh, thirteen. Yeah, but you know, obviously, there's now some value to the near name. So, and it doesn't have to be like so similar because considering uh, uh, where near Replicant and Gestalt were, and then they the way they went with near yeah. Automata, you could totally reinvent it. It's again, and we'll see that. You know, uh, if it means working with Platinum again, or with, working with a different developer, or you know, obviously sticking to the same and just going a different direction, we'll see. Uh, but I, for one, hope it still stays in the RPG area because I think that really helps. Uh, so, yeah. Let's move into the last piece of news that we've got here, though. Uh, it's This will be a quickie. So, yeah, Sony announced their plans for PlayStation Experience, which will be happening the first uh, weekend of December. And they basically said that they're going a different direction this year, which is kind of odd considering this isn't so different from last year. Uh, uh, and this is kind of the rumor that was going around that so uh, it felt like apparently Nintendo, uh, Sony had moved a lot of their announcements that were going to be saved for PlayStation Experience and just go ahead and uh, share them during Paris Games Week during their conference then. So they basically just divulged that um, their conference this year will be held Friday night, which will be for the early bird uh, ticket buyers. Uh, and so you obviously had, that's the only way you can attend the first night, basically the day zero, I guess you would say of that. And then Saturday, Sunday, it'll be just the regular from 10 to 10. Uh, they'll be just having show floor stuff. Yeah. So you go out and play games. So basically so this, not a, it's not going to have like the big conference that they had like last year. And it wasn't like, like an E3 conference or whatever, but just a smaller thing. More of a, was, more of like a, I mean, uh, that doesn't. Sorry, uh, they that doesn't mean they won't have like game up, like game updates and release yeah. date announcements. It'll just be like more of like a, a, it's more of like a PAX than like a, you know, than anything else. Kind of a get together where, especially like you're you're going to probably be going there, um, yeah, meeting some of the 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 team, some of the indies, I'm sure, and some of the some of the I'm sure they'll have represent representatives from some of the bigger Sony studios. Oops, um, so it'll be fun. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's I mean, I, I always have a great time because, uh, you know, the conference is just one aspect of it. And even then, you know, I'm not too bummed out about this just because, you know, uh, other than like the fact that that was kind of like a news thing. Um, the most fun I have I've been having and I've been going to PlayStation experience since it started uh, a couple years ago. Um, I've been every single one and just seeing it grow so significantly from year to year. It's been kind of fun. And yeah, a lot of it, though, is just meeting with indie developers and other studios and being able to get hands on time with games uh, that are way further in development than, say, you know, around E3, especially like 2018 releases. So um, like, for example, Battle Shelf Brigade, which I had a great time a year ago during PlayStation Experience, that's coming out on the Switch and PC in uh, a week from Tuesday. So it's great to see that game finally coming out, which is weird. Like, I think it's not even coming to PS4 at this point, which I guess is <laughs> kind of huh. uh, odd. But um, that's like you get those the first exposure to a lot of exciting games that people just aren't really uh, get a chance themselves and you know like i said the games i missed at e3 because i didn't get to go this year i'll be able to finally get to play them uh for myself and maybe they'll have a playable shadow of the Colossus, uh, which <laughs> will be really damn cool because that's out in a few months so um it's like th- those opportunities are always exciting and i always have like something to share afterwards and so you can expect the same amount of coverage uh, as we always do uh, during that event and like i like uh, adam said uh, i'll be there um but yeah, yeah. uh the other difference is that last year on Sunday the event closed at 6 p.m. This year will be at up to 10, and so I don't know if I'll be that late because I got to work the next morning. <laughs> I usually get up around five, so uh, we'll see. But um, don't drink too much. Uh, honestly, it is kind of disappointing, and it just means that once again, it doesn't really seem like Sony has a lot of the uh, you know the the audience as they did, or at least they don't have the mind share like Nintendo does right now. Um, but we'll see, you know, I don't want to like, you know, count my eggs before they hatch, but, um, count my chickens before they hatch, I guess would be actually the term. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. And, uh, that doesn't mean they won't have other stuff they'll announce outside of the actual PlayStation, uh, experience conference. And the panels are also kind of cool. So we'll see if they have something to share with that. Uh, usually that stuff is more about the insights developers. Um, but you know, and they have the Capcom fighting tournament, and which was exciting last year because they had Americans find each other at the end, which is not and ha- has never happened. So that's that's going to be exciting. But that's it for the news. Um, yeah, I, I don't it, yeah. know if this. Sorry, I think I think we wrapped it up. Yeah, I don't know if there's any other big things happening this week. Um, I know that was well, it. Demon Gaze Two is out this week, right? That's yep. that's the one thing. Um, I don't know if there's any other like. Pokemon is out on Friday. Huh? Pokemon is out on Friday. That's right. Ultra Sun and Moon. Yeah, that's that's apparently significant. So we'll have a p- plenty of coverage on our site, which you can find at rpgsite.net, which you can also find reviews for .hackgu, Last Week Code, uh, Frozen Wilds, Horizon Zero Dawn, like we mentioned. Demon Gaze. covered that for us. And, of course, your Demon Gaze 2 reviews on there as well. Yep. Uh, we also got like near stuff. Uh, Neo, a complete edition, came out as well. Kyle's got his impressions of that. We updated our guides, so if people want to check that out, uh, see for yourself. That Yoko Taro uh, article I mentioned that Alex wrote, that's on the main side of the banner as of this recording, so if you want to see that, it's easy to find. Also, you can find us on Twitter at RPG Site, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RPG Site Net, youtube.com slash RPG Site Net. We can find our channel there. 
Uh, you can always find us on iTunes, your favorite uh, podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. People were asking recently if we can have show notes in the files themselves. We've been having some real trouble with that. We added it, but it hasn't been affecting it. So we're working on trying to make that happen so people who actually want to know what we're going to talk about before you download the app, uh, download the podcast. We're working on it. So just a heads up about that. I apologize, of course, uh, that we haven't done that sooner. Uh, also, our permanent Discord link. You want to chat with us and uh, the hundreds of other people that join us on our channel, just uh, go to discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, we like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So, Adam, where can they find you? K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. You can find me at Zach Reese. So that's it. This is November 11, 2017 edition of the of the TetraCast. Uh, happy Skyrim Day. Uh, that's why I mentioned about Todd Howard's birthday. It's just that, you know, everyone's got the Todd Howard memes out for, uh, in full force today. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast as we get that much closer to the end of the year and closer to the Game of the Year discussions, and which we'll be focusing more about the backlogs. So we'll see you then. Uh, bye, everybody.